Hi, everyone. Welcome to Break the Stigma again. Um, we're here with Sean today, and I'm so excited to learn more about his uh, mental health journey. So, Sean, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself to start off? Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia, um, but I've uh, kind of lived all over Canada. Um, my parents moved to New Brunswick to Fredericton after high school, and I went to school in Ontario, Kingston, and then lived uh, in Calgary, and then Victoria and Vancouver, um, and it was just in Costa Rica doing some English teaching, and now I'm back in New Brunswick. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always been, um, not always, but I've uh, recently tried to step into more of the uh, a role of a mental health advocate, because uh, I know how important it is for me to talk and to open up and uh, in doing so I think it uh, it creates um, more of an opportunity and, and more of a platform for other people to open up about their own struggles and that's why um, I think this podcast is so awesome and I, I love being involved so yeah thank you for having me. Absolutely and yeah it's great that you're um, opening up here today I know your voice will inspire a lot and, and empower a lot of others to do so. I had no idea you lived in so many places in Canada. That's that's mm. awesome. What was your favorite place in Canada to live? I really liked Victoria. I Yeah, I could definitely see myself back there at some point. Yeah. I thought um, it was a really cool mix of uh, like a big enough city, but not too big, like a small town feel, but you can walk everywhere. Yeah. Uh, had the ocean and mountains so you could hike and you know go to the beach. Mm -hmm. um, you're on the island where you can go surfing in Tofino or you can uh, take a ferry over to Vancouver. So there's a lot of stuff to do. And I, th I found the people very friendly. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also just uh, uh, very biased for the East Coast and, and love the Maritimes. Uh, Fair enough. I've never been to the Maritimes, but you're definitely selling me on Victoria. It is, it is yeah. a beautiful city. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I definitely recommend getting out East if you ever can. Yeah, for sure. It yeah. also looks beautiful. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to a trip someday there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, all right. So we're just going to dive right into talking about your mental health. And so can you just explain a little bit of whatever you're comfortable in what you've experienced throughout your life in terms of mental health? Yeah, um, I feel like I'm, I'm going to ramble here. So that's all right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if I, if I start to get off on a tangent. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's hard to like differentiate the different kind of chapters of my life because they all kind of blend together in some sense. But mm -hmm. you know, I'm starting off with uh, just being a kid. Um, I was very. Uh, very self-conscious and uh, anxious in different ways, not knowing what anxiety was really at the time. But like, I, I remember like instances and different things like, uh, remember like in class in like grade two, I wanna say, um, where the, uh, the teacher gave us um, like a list where like you had to ask for you had to get someone's like signature, like say someone that played soccer, you'd get their signature or someone that, uh, I don't know, was, was from, uh, Vancouver. Like you had to sign off on things that you did. And I remember I didn't have anything. So I, I remember like, I wanted to be included and like, 
made up that my brother took a bus to, to school every day, something uh, yeah. as, uh, as seemingly minuscule as that. Um, and I remember one of my friends called me out for it saying, no, your, your brother doesn't take a bus to school. And I just felt so embarrassed. I thought the whole class was like laughing at me. And I was like, I felt like, uh, you know, so like uh, I was so socially con- self-conscious. I remember like coming home and like following to my mom and like not wanting to go to class the next day over like something so so stupid seemingly mm-hmm. um but yeah there's there's a lot of like that's just kind of sets the scene for just always being so um worried what other people thought of me and wanting to fit in and mm-hmm. um so uh yeah in high school and um I think like in I want to say uh in, in junior high I had this incident where uh, I was kind of just bullied in some sense and uh, was super paranoid and uh, anxious about that. Had a lot of panic attacks just walking down the street where it happened. And like, I remember like not not going out for lunch for like uh, a year or something after that in, in grade eight, just being worried that I would see him again. And that, uh, mm-hmm. and I just, and, and I even just always thought it was my fault and internalized it. And, and so, um, had a yeah I think that was my first experience with panic attacks didn't didn't know what panic attacks were Mm -hmm. um but had a lot of anxiety and um and yeah like I feel like the general not the general the recurring theme was um thinking uh everyone hated me and that I was this terrible person and it was all my fault and um always uh always coming back to uh, just a, a poor self-image um, and yeah that definitely carried on I think I think that that happens a lot of times with people that are people pleasers that want everyone to like them um, yeah like the the seemingly uh, friendliest or nicest people are often like or can be like the most anxious or self-conscious people just because uh, they so desperately want um, to like uh, want their external image to match the uh, internal pressures of their anxious mind that tell them they're no one likes them and that you're this terrible person and um, you're better off like you know having you know having those dark thoughts of um, like going to to suicide at some points but um, that uh, yeah so the anxiety was definitely there throughout throughout my younger years um, and I think my first year of university, um, I was so, um, again, I, I, a lot of imposter syndrome, which I, I had a lot in different stages of life, but yeah, feeling like I wasn't good enough in the, in the program I was in and felt so much competition from my peers and um, thinking I wasn't good enough and so worried about every grade I got, thinking like it was the end of the world if uh, it wasn't good. and. Um, I remember it, it kind of, uh, it was a boil, a slow burn in the sense that, it, or not slow burn, but it was a lot of things leading up and kind of uh, piling on top of each other until um, uh, there was this group project I was in, in like the first semester of my first year. And I remember I had all day to submit the selections we made for this like, uh, like capstone, uh, commerce project thing and um 
just procrastinating and procrastinating. And as another part of the problem was I, I was so, um, uh, I don't know if it was, like I remember thinking it was like ADHD or something, but I was just so, I had such a hard time focusing in class and, and I always procrastinated everything till the last minute until, uh, until I had to do it. And, and I remember procrastinating, putting in the selections and then came down to like the last 10 minutes and I was like, okay, yeah, I got to do this. And, and tried to, to submit it. And then when I hit submit, it uh, said it was actually due the hour before. And I had no idea. And I just kind of like spiraled and freaked out and um, was so worried about I don't know what my what my crewmates were gonna think of me, what everyone was gonna think of me, and and I just didn't think I was good enough. And but I I felt this like um, this pressure to be the best and to to stick it out. And um, I just like freaked out and, and had a big panic attack and just wanted to leave, but I felt like I couldn't leave. And that's like that's when I used to get those. Like I, I want to call them like passive uh, suicidal thoughts, where like I, I never thought I was in, in danger to myself, um, but I was like kind of fantasizing about dying and about how things would just be so much easier if I could just die. And um, and so I call my parents and bawling and crying and just like on the floor of my uh, res room apartment, and uh, and they were just kind of felt like they were like. Talk, talk me off a ledge and, and telling me to uh to just like step away and, and try switching programs because I um I didn't think that I could keep going but they're they're trying to like tell me that it's it's not the end of the world in, in any sense it's just um it seems like it is in the moment but it, it never really is um and so I ended up taking taking like a gap year and, and moving to Banff uh with a friend of mine and had an amazing time there and uh, came back and, and started science. Um, and there, there was um, definitely continued uh, patterns of anxiety. And, and I think I want to say then is like when I would start having episodes of uh, depression, like maybe mild depression, where I was like still functioning, but I was sleeping a lot and uh, I'd rather just stay in bed and, and, it's definitely like the anxiety cycle of uh, thinking I, I should stay in bed and make me want to stay in bed. That would kind of lead to the depression over time. And yeah. um, I, uh, I remember always thinking at that point in my life in the university that it was uh, like, I, I hadn't known about mental health and mm-hmm. at least not as much as I do now. And I, I never thought that's something that I struggled with because like, it's the, the same thing where uh, the, um, the toxic positivity I think it's called where it's like like I would just point to like the achievements and the things that where I was and the fact that like I could be a, go out to a party and and laugh and and have fun with my friends like I, I felt like that was evidence that, that I couldn't be anxious or depressed mm-hmm. um but yeah so I, I kept thinking it was something physical I, w- I would go to doctors and uh thinking like I need to get my thyroid checked or like I thought there was like a physical reason I was always so tired and um didn't want to go to class and uh was anxious and um until like a walking clinic doctor I I think was the first one to mention like yeah he he thought um you know there was nothing physically wrong with me but that um maybe it would be worth uh trying to talk to a counselor on campus um because you know I could be depressed or he brought up depression that was the first time I heard that in a, in a clinical setting 
-hmm. and uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty taken taken aback, thinking like, yeah, they they have no idea what to talk, but it's definitely not depression. Yeah. Um, but I did end up talking to a uh, counselor on campus, and I just didn't think uh, I just didn't think I got much out of it, and I thought after I had the, the the meeting, I thought it was just my fault that I was I wasn't bad enough, or I wasn't like sick enough, or uh, struggling enough to need it. I thought I just wasn't trying hard enough. I need to try harder, um, which was, yeah, definitely um, a recurring thought pattern I had. Um, mm -hmm. And then it was the same thing with uh, the limited resources on campus. Like even if I wanted to see the counselor again, I don't think I could see them for another six months or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that continued and um, I saw a therapist one summer in Halifax and, and same thing. I, I, I didn't thought I, I got much out of it. It was more so like, it felt like a chore to go to it and felt like something I was like trying to stay awake through. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that kind of continued on off and on, not really knowing that I struggled as much as I did until, uh, until I was living in Calgary for a summer uh, as an intern in my third year, I think. And um, I was alone in an apartment, didn't really know anyone in the city. And um, I was really struggling with imposter syndrome my, my first like month there. Um, and yeah, it started becoming the uh, same thing with like panic attacks in the office and just watching the time tick down, hoping no one would notice that I wasn't good enough to be there. And that's, you know, being surprised, not being surprised, but kind of waiting every day to, to be fired from an intern where they're, you know, they're, they would never fire an intern, but it's just what I was telling myself mm -hmm. that I wasn't good enough. Um, and yeah, I remember uh, that in that apartment in Calgary, having, uh, having those passive suicidal thoughts, but it was, it felt like, yeah, in the moment, like it was the most that I wanted to ever end my life. And, um, and so I kind of, uh, I felt like that was like the chapter in my life where I look back on as, as, um, as this like semicolon tattoo that I have mm -hmm. for um, using a semicolon and, and not a period and um, continuing my chapter. And it, like, just speaking with you, um, from where I am now in my journey to, to that time in my life and, and to anyone else at that moment in their lives now, it's just like how, how much time truly does just heal and how, how, how much your perspective changes on, on your life and yourself and the world uh, just mm -hmm. through time and through, through wisdom and experience. Um, because like, what, why was I so anxious about an internship where, um, like, or they they ended up hiring me back and working there like they they loved me and it, it was never but like even if it didn't work out like it's the worst what's the worst case that you don't go back and I think it, it wasn't it wasn't I guess it was never really just the job but it was the job that made me anxious and then made me have those um those self-deprecating thoughts and uh you know worsening my self-image and then having those anxious thoughts telling me how bad I am and how worthless I am and how it just none of it was worth it um and so I ended up seeing a uh, 
a psychologist and a doctor in Calgary, like a walking clinic doctor and, and started taking um, my first antidepressants. Uh, and I ended up having an awesome summer. Like, you know, it started off, I started off, like I, I was really hesitant to even take the medication. And then my, uh, a friend of my parents uh, gave me a line that I love uh, that like, would a um, diabetic person prescribe insulin, like be hesitant to take insulin for their health if it, if it makes their quality of life so much better. And if they depend on it, they need it to, to survive. Like what, why was I hesitant to, to even try an antidepressant to see if it would work? And it definitely was um, you know, worse off the first, I feel like I was more anxious the first couple of weeks, but um, it ended up really, it felt like it like, uh, open the blinds and open the curtains on uh, my life at the time. And I felt so much more uh, self-compassionate and empathetic and felt more confident and less anxious and was really loving life. I, I channeled that uh, anxious summer and like I worked on a mental health uh, initiative type thing in the workplace for my company as just like a side project and ended up presenting it like the CEO at the end of the summer and, and really uh, loved, um, the experience in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, but I think there were some signs of maybe of like some signs that, um, I shouldn't have just been on an antidepressant, um, because I think I was like, there were nights where I didn't sleep at all. Like I was so excited for the next day and, and I like went into work just not having slept, barely staying, staying awake. Um, and then I went back to uh, school in the fall and things were going well. And then I think at least when my uh, parents visited and, and dropped my dog off uh, for the week and he's staying with me. And I just remember uh, for some reason, again, just sleeping all day and not wanting to get, to get out of bed and feeling like I was kind of entering a, like a mild or uh, some kind of depression again just low energy and low mood and sleeping a lot. Um, so I went to another walk-in clinic doctor and I think that was part of the, um, the problem that I had was like, I didn't have like a consistent healthcare team supporting me. I didn't have like a psychiatrist in my corner or a, a consistent therapist. So I was kind of seeing different walk-in clinic doctors and different ther therapists. Mm -hmm. And so they increased my uh, dosage and I think at some point, next couple of weeks, I, uh, it was kind of like a perfect storm of uh, not sleeping and, and yeah, um, the increased medication. And I, I like was having like a, what they, what they think is like a medication induced type of manic episode. And um, I kind of ranged from, being like super happy and confident, but then not sleeping and then super irritable and uh, paranoid and um, not uh, not positive and like, yeah, mm -hmm. um, not having healthy relationships. And, um, and so I think my mom like noticed it when I wasn't sleeping and staying up all night and calling her and like crying on the phone, telling her how much I loved her and how much I was sorry for everything I'd done and uh, like how much I 
is having like these, um, how do you uh, call them like grandiose thoughts of thinking I needed to like write like a mental health manifesto to the campus newspaper and like all these big, big ideas just like kept me up at night. Mm -hmm. And so um, I eventually saw a, uh, or eventually, yeah, saw a walk-in clinic doctor again, I think, who referred me to a psychiatrist, but it would take, again, too long. Like it'd be another month uh, living in Kingston and I was still like not being able to sleep and having this like kind of hypomanic episode. Uh, so I dropped out again and came back home to New Brunswick mm-hmm. um, and saw a psychiatrist there who diagnosed me with bipolar two and, uh, and maybe social anxiety or something. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so that was kind of the start of um, uh, trying different medications. And I want to say that that lasted for a good, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe two, two and a half years of, or two years of trying all these different uh, medications, um, starting in New Brunswick and then uh, seeing someone in Halifax and then moving to Vancouver or to Victoria and seeing someone in Victoria mm-hmm. um, and then someone in Vancouver eventually when I moved there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, that was definitely another low point was like coming down from that episode and starting the medication and entering this depressed episode uh, where it's really like my whole identity shifted of, because uh, I, I know I knew I struggled, but I never really had any diagnoses of uh, mental illness. Yeah. But I, uh, my aunt was, or is, or ha- is diagnosed with uh, bipolar. Um, and uh yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. And, and so this, this whole new diagnosis really shifted my, my identity, uh, mm-hmm. or how I viewed myself. And I really struggled with that for a while thinking, um, thinking I was just all of a sudden, just this completely different person who, who would always depend on, on this medication that didn't seem to be helping and seemed to be making things worse. And and uh, it was such a trial and error guessing guessing game. And it really just felt like it disconnected me from reality and from my friends. And I think that's when I really like kind of stigmatized myself, I felt the most and felt the most, um, yeah, different and, and incomplete and broken. Um, and then, yeah, it is uh, up and down from living in Victoria to you know working and then uh and then quitting work and having like a night where i called the the suicide hotline which was this super cathartic uh really emotional night and feeling um i had this amazing connection with the person on the phone but uh, more so just really felt so empathetic and uh yeah, emotional for the fact that I was waiting on on the uh, on the phone to connect and, and just realizing and knowing how many other people around Canada and around the world were relying on that service and, and also waiting to, to speak to someone in, in crisis. And um, I thankfully found it in a really, truly amazing psychiatrist in Victoria at that time when I, when I started 
uh, like short-term disability from work and I uh, saw this clinic there and uh, had this amazing connection and really felt comfortable uh, with trusting him for trying different uh, medications because I really didn't, didn't have that same trust and connection with my previous psychiatrist. Um, but yeah, which again was a lot of trial and error, different medications and, and that was a really confusing part of it was not knowing um, what was the medication, what was my own. Yeah mental health, what was like a side effect, what was like me not having the right lifestyle and not having the right things in place, like physical exercise and eating and diet and sleeping. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of second guessing and uh, conflict and, and internal conflict. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I've, I've always had, uh, I'm very thankful for my support system. So uh, I was able to, to rely and depend on them. Um, and yeah, it's again on and off. And I didn't work again from, from that until um, I tried to go back to work, but I really just couldn't handle it mm -hmm. uh, until, yeah, until I just recently, um, started the teaching but um mm -hmm. yeah I was uh, I was in Vancouver and um again was really struggling with uh yeah not knowing if the medication was right and really the physical side of things uh, my my dreams which I think were a side effect of the medication but which I still have um and my sleeps and sleeping a lot during the day and really just mm -hmm. felt like I was like disconnected from reality and, and would rather um, rather forget about reality by sleeping and not feeling responsible for um, taking care of myself and feeding myself and exercising and, and trying to get a job and trying to get back on my feet. It was just easier to sleep and to enter that dream reality. Yeah. And so I stayed in that, that sleeping, that slumber half awake state for a while honestly and mm -hmm. um but there were, there were a lot of good good times and then I, th I feel like a tendency of of myself and I feel like with people I struggle is kind of like that black and white thinking of thinking uh it's either going amazing or going terribly yeah. when in reality it's a lot of fluctuation between the two extremes yeah, uh, so there are a lot of good days and a lot of good good weeks uh, but just never that consistent uphill trajectory yeah um but really like the same thing with you kind of zoom in on on a week of up and down but when you zoom out to the month and the year and the two years and, and the five years the the graph is kind of there's peaks and valleys but it's got a that upward uh, trajectory yeah and so i i mean i i, I was living alone and independently so I, I really was you know a, a lot further ahead than when i was uh first came back and first diagnosed uh you know, just sleeping away the days in my parents' apartment. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I eventually, with the help of my new psychiatrist in Vancouver, decided to, um, to come off the medication gradually, uh, which was really tough to um, being when your body's like used to the, the certain kinds of medication for a while it's uh 
can definitely be like a withdrawal effect or a come down. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah, in, in a few weeks after that, I uh, moved to Costa Rica just recently and mm-hmm. moved there with some friends and um, traveled and surfed and then did that English teaching program, met some really cool people and uh, really felt like, and I feel like I'm, uh, even though I still struggle and have a lot to, um, not to work on, well, I always work on, but like to, um, there's just always, there's always that struggle and there's always things that you can't predict and uh, there's still be anxious days, but I think as a whole, I'm where I'm at now, I'm most kind of optimistic and excited about the future and about life, which is really telling um, for how far I've come. And mm-hmm. um, I think the physical, physical health side of things, which is so, so, so connected and mm-hmm. um, uh, intertwined with mental health um, is, yeah, my, I feel like uh, yeah, coming off the medication, I feel like it's it's really impacting my sleeps, and I feel like I have yet to kind of uh, figure that out. Uh, but I've um, I'm back home seeing a doctor here and getting some blood work done, looking at things. So um, I'm optimistic that the the physical health and the mental health will uh, will join forces at some point down the road, and and uh, I'll be off in Peru and teaching English and, and thriving. Uh, but I know that it's like, even if I, if I'm not thriving, there's, there's going to be lots of bad days and down days, but mm-hmm. um, I feel more equipped to handle the down days and the anxious days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that where I'm at with my journey now, I, I know that uh, time is, is always the, the really, um, uh, really the, the pinnacle of, uh, of, your everyone well, my journey and everyone's journey with mental health is just knowing that this too shall pass and knowing mm-hmm. that um a bad day maybe followed by a bad day maybe followed by a bad week but it might not be you know the next week might not be as bad and so there's always tomorrow's always a new day so mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah i feel like there's definitely things that i i left out uh but there's yeah, maybe that's like a some kind of summary of, of my journey so far and continue mm-hmm. living with it. I think um big thing that that uh I've I've noticed myself now is just yeah, it's how much I how much emphasis I put on like diagnoses, uh diagnosis or di- diagnoses before and how really there's are just kind of like at least in my view they're 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 a tool that professionals can use to help guide your treatment but they're mm-hmm. they're not uh these boxes that you put yourself into that you're this or that or both of them it's um it's such a spectrum and uh i'm yeah i'm, I'm feeling like better off medication and more stable than, than i've been in a long time um mm-hmm. And yeah, like I, I remember my like talking to my psychiatrist in Vancouver saying like it's it's really like always or for them it's like a working theory. They they don't know for sure what it is and what it could be, but um, it's just 
it's just about seeking treatment when you need it or, or seeking support when you need it so they mm-hmm. they like they said to always uh you know get get back in contact with them and, and to get they'll they can help put me in touch with the right people or or seeing people in costa rica if, if i needed that mm-hmm. and i did struggle in costa rica and i did uh, see just a, a therapist once and we walked on the beach and just talked and it was nice um mm-hmm. but um yeah i'm I'm more, I have a better, um, better image, self-image, I think, uh, now than, than I ever have. And I'm very thankful for my support system for that. And, um, yeah, I'm, if I can, if I can, um, just make one person listen to this, realize that they're, they're not alone, they're not the only one, uh, struggling, that we're all struggling in different ways. So, yeah. No, I, I mean, you've already touched me. I had goosebumps that entire time you were telling that story. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing all your entire life with us. Um, Thank you. It's it's really valuable to hear a voice and the the ups and the downs and the way you explain everything in such a personal way is inspiring. Like how you work through everything, how some things work, some things didn't. Sometimes it was up, sometimes it was down. Um, and I think everyone can relate to that. I wanted to ask, um, earlier on, you were saying how at the beginning of your journey, you were experiencing signs of depression or anxiety, but you were always in your head kind of thinking, oh, but it's not too bad. Like I can still Mm -hmm. go to a party. I can still, um, go to class or, I, it's just because I had a bad day, kind of that mentality. What would you tell people who are going through that? Because I think that is pretty common and people have signs, but try to ignore it because that's more comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. That's a scary thing to approach your mental health in, in a more serious way. So what would you say to pe- someone who you would see that in? It's a really good question. And I think it's yeah, I think it's so so common the, the thought that we're we're not bad enough to seek help, but we're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think um, it really starts with talking in, in any and all capacities, whether it's to a friend, to a family member or to a counselor or psychiatrist or any doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's, I, like I, I wonder, I can't remember verbatim the, the quote, but I think Michelle Obama said it's something about how mental health needs to be viewed the same way as physical health. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like, we'll, we'll be proactive about our physical health, like getting checkups if something, the first sign something feels off, we, we mm-hmm. Google the symptoms or we, uh, go to get it checked up and uh, even if we're we're not physically sick just having those checkups with doctors and I think that's where where mental health should be viewed in the same capacity that that um, like it's it's never the onus is, is never solely on us to to work through what we're working through ourselves and to just be the bigger man or the bigger person and and get through it and stick it out um, because 
it's just it's, you're just playing life on on extreme difficulty mode with uh, with a weighted vest uh, keeping you down, trying to work through it yourself without talking, without opening up, even if it's not seeking treatment, but just um, opening up to a friend and saying, "Yeah, I'm having having this off day, and I kind of had this off day yesterday too, and I was feeling anxious and." And then you might hear that uh, your friend was also you know, having an anxious day too, and that they're kind of struggling and you have that connection and you can help each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and just realizing that, um, that you're not like, you're not, you're not supposed to want to stay in bed or not go to class or be too anxious to go to this or that, or, mm-hmm. or want to sleep all day. Like that's just like, you know, physical health, uh, having the sign of, uh, of something physically wrong with you. It's, it's a sign that maybe, maybe you need some extra support or just some self-care, whether that's, uh, saying no to going out with friends and just having a night in and having a bath or, or journaling or whatever helps you. Mm-hmm. Um, but just knowing that, that, uh, it's definitely, a um a artifact or an artifact of the past of thinking we need to to stick it out ourselves and not talk uh, especially in, in young men um not uh, opening up um and really it's, it's that's where it starts as soon as you open up just that one time you, you realize uh how many other people around you are struggling in, in different ways but but similar ways very paralleled ways mm-hmm. um and so just just having the courage to speak up that one time and to say, yeah, I don't feel like going out tonight. I'm having this rough day, having a bad day, having a bad week. Uh, and just knowing that it's, it's not, it's not that you're weak or it's not that you're not trying hard enough. It's just that you need a little extra support right now and you won't, you might not always need it. Um, but there's nothing wrong with, with seeking that support, whether, whether again, whether it's a friend or, or a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just, just starting that dialogue, I think, is, is the most important piece. Absolutely. I think that also brings the important point of how you were also mentioning earlier that it's not black and white. Like you can mm-hmm. have some, it's it's a spectrum. And so yeah. you're not always this, so you're not always that. Like this feeling will pass and you might need support now, as you said, but maybe next week or year or day, you might not need that support as much. I think that's such an important point. Um, I had another question. Oh, you're mentioning how for you, the actual diagnosis, and you went through a very interesting diagnostic process because you're kind of some, a doctor told you this and then told you that, and then kind of landed on this, but we're saying, oh, it's still kind of a theory. Um, And then you're saying how having an actual diagnosis wasn't too helpful for you like you didn't really identify with that it's a spectrum and it's it's not black and white like we're saying but I also know individuals who really find comfort in knowing what it is what do you think that difference is and why do you think that you're kind of more on the side of no I, I choose not to have that as my identity yeah I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think what I said paints the whole picture and that um and I feel like maybe a lot of the stuff I said there could be could be gaps and what I'm missing, but I okay. I really um, I did actually find immense relief originally 
uh, in any kind of diagnosis, just because it was, um, like you said, it was like a, a proof to myself or like reassurance that I wasn't making it up, wasn't all in my head. Like there was something, something physically or neurochemically wrong with, with me or not wrong. I, I don't know. There were efficient. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I actually originally did find, um, yeah, pretty immense relief in that. Mm-hmm. And, and it felt like it was like, it was reassurance and it felt like it was proof and yeah, like I wasn't proving it to anyone but myself, but my own, my own uh, anxious mind that told me that I was just make it up. It was all in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've, I think there's also maybe runs a risk of along that same vein of um, I think myself, I was spending too much time on forums and, uh, on reddit looking at uh the different uh like mental illnesses i thought I, I might be diagnosed with or with um i was doing a lot of self-diagnosing and a lot of i remember someone mentioned the idea of like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you spend so much time thinking it's one thing and that you it's like you're almost physically manifesting it yeah um like folk hyper focusing fixating on on these symptoms that you might be having or might not be having Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of that with the medications I was on too, looking at side effects, being worried about this or that, mm-hmm. um, you know, fatigue and hair loss and waking and, and different things. And, mm-hmm. um, but you're right. I think it's, I think it's like, it's the completely individual and whether someone finds relief from a diagnosis or, or chooses not to identify with it. Um, and I think it's ever shifting. Like I, I was very, I was very proud of, uh, my diagnosis. Like at at one point I was, it's like, I was wearing a badge on my chest that I was, I'm Sean and I'm bipolar. Um, but if I can do this, then so can you, and we're all in this together. And, Mm -hmm. and so now I'm at the point where, I mean, I, I really have no idea. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't view it as, as rigid as I used to. And, um, but I think like, I, I know that I've struggled. I think this, well, that, uh, you know, diagnoses may be completely different and depending on the different doctor or different circumstance or different, uh, lifestyle, um, factors, I think struggle is universal. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, uh, I just knew that I struggled and I guess it, I came to the realization it didn't matter if it's bipolar, or if it was social anxiety or depression or whatever. Um, as long as I was getting the right treatment and the right help and support. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think if, if it, if it's relief and if it's the reassurance that you need, that it's not in your head and that uh, you're not making it up. It's it's something real and tangible, and something that you need help and support with, and that's awesome. And if if you choose to view it as just a a tool that professionals use to help guide your treatment, it's also awesome. And mm-hmm. it's just as long as you know that it's not in your head, and that's it's something that you need you need support. Maybe not always, but maybe maybe just right now. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and as long as you're getting the right right treatment and the right support, then I think that's all that matters. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well said. But yeah, mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. I mean, it, it, like treatment, how you view yourself, how you view your diagnosis, whether you choose to or not, is so individualistic throughout this, like anyone's mental health journey, I think. Yeah. Um, I had one more question. Well, I have a couple more questions. <laughs> but one of my questions is looking back, I can't put a timeline on it. Was it six years or I guess you said it started in elementary school, but when you're kind of pursuing your first step in your mental health journey compared to now, how has your view or perspective about mental health changed over those years? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, if I were to say my first step um, would be like going to that that counselor on campus in school, then yeah, I think my perspective has shifted uh, quite drastically in that. Um, like we were just talking about, I definitely thought at the time that it just wasn't I wasn't bad enough to, to be needing that. And I wasn't trying hard enough to get through it myself. And I was just wasting time being in there. Mm -hmm. And I internalize it in that. Uh, and I did that with, I guess, with all my my therapists. I think, I, I think I've tried maybe six or seven different different therapists until I really found one I, I really connected with. Um, and I saw consistently over a year and a half, maybe two years. Mm -hmm. um, but what I, what I tell people is that it's, it's like anything. It's like, you know, medication or finding the right barber to get your haircut. It's very trial and error. Like what works for some person or what works for one person might not work for the, for another person. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all about just how you connect. And it's, it's not your fault. If, uh, if it doesn't work out, it's not something you did wrong. It's just maybe the connection wasn't there. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I didn't think that my first time going to that, that counselor in, in, on campus. And I just thought, yeah, this is, this is like my fault. I, I like, why am I even here? I'm not getting anything out of this. And so it deterred me from going back to anyone else because I thought like, it's, I'm never going to get anything from any kind of support. I just have to work through this myself and, and be a, a bigger man. Mm -hmm. um, and so now I'm, I'm at the point where I know that, that, uh, mental health support and treatment is such a mosaic of uh, treatments and modalities and philosophies and ideologies and it's everything from physical health and um, diet and exercise and sleep to medications to herbal medications and eastern philosophy and uh, you know, spirituality and meditation and it's such a composite index of uh, ways to treat yourself because like I keep bringing it back to physical health. It's, there's so many ways to um, maintain, to look after your mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you don't need to only try one or you don't need to only you know, put all your eggs in one basket or in no baskets if you're not seeking, seeking support at all. Uh, you can you can be a consumer and you can try different things if it doesn't work you can move on to something else and and you're never you're never done learning it's a continual uh process mm -hmm. growing up and 
you know, because the stuff that you're struggling with in high school is going to be different than the stuff that you're struggling with in, in your 30s and your 50s and in your older years. And so um, you're always just like life is always changing and circumstances are, are always changing and yeah. uh, people pass away and, and things happen and um, lifestyle stuff happens. So you're like, it's, you're never just done. Like I used to think, and, and back then too, I, I thought, okay, once, once I, once I do this, then I'll be happy. Like once I finish this exam, then I'll be happy. Once I get this job, then I'll be happier. Once I quit this job, then I'll be happy. Uh, so there, there's always, I always thought there was like, you know, a, a destination or a finish point, but in reality, it's, it's always a journey. It's a continuous journey uh, where you're learning every step of the way and, um, and things evolve every step of the way. So mm-hmm. just like I said, with, you know, being a consumer and, and seeing a therapist, like if, if you've reached the point after a year or two, where you think maybe I could benefit from someone else, or maybe I can benefit from, from not seeing someone for, for a bit now, it's, it's always, it's not stagnant in any sense. It's always evolving and, and adapting. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you always have to, to, to be mindful of, um, how, how your life is changing, how your mental health is changing and, and be a consumer. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the biggest, biggest way my perspective on mental health support has changed since the first time. It's just realizing that, um, yeah, it's not a destination. It's, it's a continuous progression. Um, and yeah, to always be, uh, putting yourself first and being an advocate for yourself and, and yeah, mm-hmm. seeking support when you need it. Mm-hmm. That's such an important point. And I like, I think a lot of people are guilty of that, including myself in, oh, I'll just get this one thing done and then I can Mm -hmm. relax and be happy or, oh, I have a vacation plan, then I'll be happy then or whatever it is. Um, But realizing that, yeah, it's not, you're not going to find it that way. It's a perspective change and growing and reaching your potential. Um, I mean, you said it so much better than I just said it, but um, (laughs) I think that that sentiment is so important. And I think we definitely lose that perspective nowadays and and maybe forever, like, or maybe in the past as well. But um, I definitely see that a lot with my friends, with me, with people I know. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, So we're going to switch a little bit of a direction um, into talking more about stigma and you kind of mentioned it a little bit when you were talking about your um, journey and your life. Could you just maybe touch on if you're comfortable if you've felt stigmatized throughout that journey? Um, maybe a couple different examples or whatever comes to mind. I think any stigma I ever felt was because of like an internal stigma that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was always internal beliefs and um, dependent on where I was, you know, whether I was happy or sad or depressed um, because mm-hmm. like I, you know, when I'm up or when I'm happy or when I was uh, hypomanic, um, you know, sending these long loving uh, text messages to my, my group chat of friends and then and then once I was, once I came down, just like, you know, immediately regretting it, thinking like, like, why, why would I send all that stuff? Like, it's, uh, 
probably think I'm crazy or yeah so so weird and um or mentally ill and uh um so yeah I think I think um a big thing that I love uh advocating for and being a part of our initiatives like November advocating for uh for men's health and men's men's mental health and um trying to get men talk more because it, it really is such a uh, I don't know if you call it a cliche but like that uh, you know men don't cry or that men don't show emotions or um, men don't talk um, because I yeah I didn't uh, I didn't talk I didn't or you know even if I did I I um, I always just thought I, I wasn't trying hard enough or um you know, back to that, that recurring thought. And, uh, I think that's where, I mean, in, in my, my view and opinion, I'm, I'm seeing such a, a progression in, um, and the way we talk about mental health and, and the stigma, uh, but it, it really is so individualized. And I, and I know like, you know, a lot of my friends are really good at talking and opening up when they're struggling, but, but some of them, find it hard to and uh are just used to it it's not a it's not a comfortable uh feeling to be vulnerable and you know um a lot of a lot of men in my life um have uh have come a long way i think since since i've opened up and since i've really um become vocal about my journey about uh, their own struggles and um how much we all struggle in different ways and how it's talking bridges that gap of understanding and and helps us support each other um but it's it's also you know uh such a a privileged thing too where people of different uh backgrounds and cultures uh may find it much more difficult to to open up to with family members or Mm -hmm. you know i I read in, in those forums about people um who don't have the support of the parents or the parents think they're just same as as i was telling myself i wasn't trying hard enough that they didn't need you know to see a therapist or to take medication yeah and um so there's there's still uh i feel i'm i feel like i'm naive to the the struggles of, of different people in different cultures that um can't can't open up in the same ways that uh, i feel i can um but maybe i mean there's maybe if you if there if it's if you can't open up to to your family like i use those forums online and and open up Mm -hmm. to to people on the internet to get their their advice or opinions or Mm -hmm. or seek the support of a professional in your own time um I, i wish that you know everyone could have a support system where they feel heard and valued and understood but the reality is that many people just don't have that um Mm -hmm. that's why i think like things like this podcast are so amazing just to be another voice out there because there cannot be enough voices talking about mental health and mental illness and struggling Mm -hmm. um so yeah in terms of terms of trying to break down the stigma i don't I don't know where you start other than talking and mm-hmm. 
and initiatives like this podcast and and just like not being afraid to I don't know to to talk about the bad stuff along with the good stuff and I, I feel like that's such a uh, I mean we haven't even talked about social media and the effects that that it has on young people and mental health but it, it's such a contrast of posting this happiest smilingest edited most beautiful uh photo of yourself on the best day ever and then having a terrible day of uh, anxiety and and, uh, anxious thoughts yeah and not not posting that and then comparing your down days to all your friends having the most amazing time ever but whatever they're doing so um yeah just just talking about it and um not being afraid to open up because it's just uh you know it's just heartbreaking when when uh you read about um people that uh that couldn't couldn't make it through it and 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 took their own lives and then you're left wondering like man i didn't even know that they struggled they seem like such happy positive people Uh, it's like the robin williams effect of uh you know the happiest people that, that could be struggling the most so yeah um just remembering that as hard as as hard as it is to not not compare your worst self to someone's best self on social media and, and if you need to take a break and turn off your phone for a day or just an hour even uh before bed or something mm-hmm. uh because uh that my favorite quote is uh comparisons of thief of joy Absolutely. and um, and that's what we're doing constantly constantly comparing ourselves so yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the, the stigma, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I've answered that question at all, but. Uh, no, that was wonderful. No. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad you brought up the social media because that's something we mm-hmm. haven't touched on um, yeah. in any of our podcasts so far. And it's such an important point because that's, whether we like it or not, a part of everyone's everyday life. Um, and it's so easy to make that, make those comparisons and. Yeah, and I, you said it perfectly and not comparing pe- what people's best selves appear to your worst self. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's so important. And then I was going to say something and then I forgot what I was going, where I was going with that. Um, oh, I was going to say that you, you are breaking the stigma right now and um, using your voice, especially as male going through and being so vulnerable with your story and sharing it with the world like that undoubtedly, I mean, you've even said it's already helped your friends and will definitely help people across the globe. We have a global reach because this is a, a global campaign right now. Um, and it, it is, I think, really important that we do live in a privileged space and that we have these resources and we have the tools to share and um, the, yeah, just the privilege around that, but I, I hope to, with you, like you coming on and other voices coming on to empower people who might not feel that they have that, um, voice right now to empower them to realize that they do have that voice and they can share and it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> it's okay to um, not be okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just have one more question in terms of stigmatizing yourself um, about mental health, what was the biggest 
thing that helped you in in not stigmatizing yourself anymore? If that makes sense. I know that's a really loaded question, but maybe one or two things that really helped you in, in being kinder to yourself and um, and in lessening that voice inside your head that would stigmatize yourself. Um, yeah, I, I know that I've, I've said this uh, many times probably by now, but I think uh, really just uh, the most um, core component of, of that in, in the, uh, yeah, the most crucial aspect uh, for me is, has always been talking. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think once I started talking, I started being kinder to myself um, because I, I realized how not alone I was and how, how, you know, real it is and how not imaginary and not, uh, it's not something I just made up in my head. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it really is such a, a domino effect of, uh, of beginning to talk and then hearing other stories around you or far from you uh, about people struggling and, and just realizing how, how I know I keep saying it's like struggle is always so um, different because it's so individualized and based on so many factors but it's there really is like common themes and, and parallels throughout struggle that you know like from someone grieving the loss of a loved one to um someone going through uh, a depression it's um like there's always just uh lines that you can you can draw and similarities mm -hmm. um and so just knowing that someone else is also going through a tough time Mm -hmm. uh, and that you're not alone uh, it was really really a big realization to uh to overcoming that uh i want to call it like imposter syndrome internal imposter syndrome mm -hmm. thinking that uh you're not worthy of support or mental health or you're not bad enough or you're not you know, worthy of a diagnosis or whatever um mm -hmm. and i think that that might be another part that i would mention is was getting a a diagnosis and, and talking to a professional and realizing that you know whatever the diagnosis is um just knowing that that it's something that you can work on with with a professional even if it's not a doctor and if, if it's counselor in any capacity or a therapist or a psychologist mm -hmm. uh, just someone that you can talk to that that has no judgment um you know it doesn't know you or your history but it's just there to listen Mm -hmm. um yeah it, and I think time is the other other factor because you know I you could have told myself that or I could have told myself that in junior high or high school or university but it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have meant anything until I realized it myself and so I think mm -hmm. everyone's kind of on their own journey in terms of self-realization and mm -hmm. um it comes in, in different times and uh in different different settings but it, it really is just a matter of um, trusting that that what you're experiencing now is really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, the rest of your your long and, and fruitful life um, and thinking about you're sitting on a back porch 
you know, at 60 years old, like you're not even remembering what you were uh, anxious about at 17 or at 20 or at 30. So it's, it's really just a matter of trusting in time and, and that this too shall pass um, mm -hmm. and talking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it always comes back to talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it really does hone in the point of um, this podcast and lots of others out there and just using your voice and um, letting others listen to you and yeah, finding like empowering others to do the same. And like, thank you so much for coming on and your, like the courage and bravery you have for sharing everything you did. It was like, again, I had goosebumps the whole time. Um, is there anything you want else you wanted to share before we end? Um, I, I'm just trying to think of like what I would want to hear at my lowest points and I feel like, yeah, it's, it's not about, you know, just uh, brushing off your struggles and saying that, uh, you know, this, this will get better because I mean, it, it just, it's not, it's not something that resonates with someone that's, uh, that's going through the thick of things and struggling. Um, but yeah, I, I wish that, I wish I could have taken a pill, uh, five, 10, whatever, however many years ago to just be able to, to get a glimpse of what life would be like 10 years from now to have that perspective change that, that what seems like the end of the world and such a big deal at the time, mm -hmm. you know, and life changing and, and consuming and, um, you know, uh, having the worst thoughts and uh, the most um, black and white and extreme thoughts um it really is just there's no substitute for time and for um for that perspective change you get when that comes with age and with wisdom and experience but you can't you can't get there if you don't uh open up and talk and seek support if you need it mm -hmm. or you know at the very minimum just be honest with yourself that it's it's not something that you're making up and that if you're having thoughts that you you'd be better off not alive that's it's not something that's um it's not something that's that's made up in your head and that uh i know it seems very real and very very um all, all consuming and yeah I'm, I'm just a voice on a podcast that that has no idea what you're going through but it, it really is just just uh, opening them up and opening up and, and seeking support and uh, just knowing that it's okay to not be okay and that yeah you may not feel great tomorrow or next week or next month but it's it's uh, it's just about trusting in um, in people and in time and the people that you care about and the people that that make you make you happy you're still around and, and mm -hmm. people that make you feel good so mm -hmm. um, I really hope that uh, anyone listening to this has the courage because it takes a lot of courage to reach out to anyone to mm -hmm. to call a hotline if you're in crisis or 
to um, go for a walk and call a friend that you haven't talked to in a while or mm-hmm. uh, seek a, a, the support of a therapist or uh, a doctor or psychiatrist. Um, mm-hmm. Because there, there are things that can help. I know that's, I, I hope that my message didn't come across as like anti-medication um, or anti-treatment because it, it, it really did help me at, at different times in my life. It's just, I'm at the, the point now in, in my journey where uh, I thought it was time I tried not having it. And it was definitely a struggle in the beginning, but mm-hmm. it's just because I, I've come further along that journey because of the medication, uh, perhaps that uh, was the kind of the, the booster jet that got me off the ground. And, and now I'm able to fly on my own. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's just so, so individual and, you know, it worked for me, it might not work for someone else, but mm-hmm. as long as you don't stop trying because it's easy, like it's, it's like depression feeds on depression and it's, uh, it creates these cycles, uh, where you don't want to go to bed. Um, but even if it's just one baby, baby step at a time, getting out of bed and brushing the teeth and then going back to bed, but, yeah. uh, just doing something, um, where you can feel proud of that accomplishment and not uh, not feel lost in the journey because you are certainly not alone. Uh, that's that's the main thing. There are so many people struggling, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take away from your struggles at all. Um, because you know what I've been through, what I'm going through, uh, you know, is completely separate and different than what anyone might be going through. Um, mm-hmm. But. The one thing that's universal that I mentioned is that we all struggle at different points mm-hmm. or at many points. So um, just don't, don't don't stop trying. Don't stop uh, putting yourself first and uh, and just knowing that that you you may think that you don't deserve um, to be happy or that that it's you're broken or that you're um, not not worthy and you're this evil person um but um you know we all deserve uh to be happy and to have good days even if there's more bad days than good days um yeah so just yeah i mean listening to this podcast is is an awesome step so uh yeah don't don't stop don't stop uh being a consumer and being um interested and invested in your health your physical health and your mental health mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure i could uh, say many more things but uh, yeah um maybe i'll end on that the, this too shall pass quote because uh it's it's been a cornerstone throughout my journey uh and it's always been there and it, it's always been true so far so mm-hmm. yeah yeah. And for anyone listening, I mean, you're a token of hope, like you, everything you've been through to where you are now is nothing short of inspiring and really shows that there are better times ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a wonderful place to stop and um, that there is hope and you're not alone. And I mean, we're here to talk and learn and listen and empower others. So thank you for being a voice in that and joining us on Break the Stigma. Yeah, thank you for having me.